Hey everyone, what's up? It is Jeff from WarriorLife.com, formerly the website known as Modern Combat and Survival, and welcome to podcast episode number 325. Yes, we have finally made the change from Modern Combat and Survival over to Warrior Life, and a lot of other things have been changing as well, as I've moved to Florida now, and last week got to see prepping for a hurricane firsthand as Hurricane Etta put me in its crosshairs. Well, sort of, not quite that way, but I thought I'd share with you some of the things that I observed and learned in prepping for the storm to hit. It's all coming right up in this week's show, and don't worry about taking notes because we've done all the heavy lifting for you with this week's free handy-dandy cheat sheet covering all of today's tips. You can download for free at www.warriorlifepodcast.com slash 325. And now, let's talk tactics. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, Close Quarters Combat. Welcome to the show that helps you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is the Warrior Life Podcast. All right. Hey there. Welcome back, everybody. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for warriorlife.com. It's our new website. I know we've been talking about this now, gosh, for months, it seems like, and it's been long after launch date when we originally had planned on this all going live, but we are finally live Still putting a few things, plugging them back in, making sure all the lights are connected here and there. But we are actually do have the site up and running right now over at warriorlife.com. So please go check it out. We've got a great new look, great new uh, logo that our advisor team. So thank you, uh, all of you from the advisor team that helped us pick out the logo and so many of the other features that are over there. Um, We are just much better organized. We have a lot in store for you coming up because the whole format of everything we'll be doing is going to be more about you and the tips that you bring to the table, things that we can share from your experience. And you can learn from other people as well. Now, like I said, we're still putting a few of these pieces back together and making sure that everything is going to be running 100% smoothly. But the new website is there. The new podcast pages are there. From now on, we are going to be known as Warrior Life, not Modern Combat Survival. Although I'll still remind people as we come through the podcast here and there, but as I said, some other things have been changing as well. So for those of you that have been following my personal story now for a little while, I have made the move from Texas out to living in central Florida now, near the coast. And it's been quite a change for me. Now, what brought me out here are a couple of things. One, um, I did reconnect with my sweetheart from high school and came out here for, um, for business reasons and just reconnected with somebody who's really, really special to me. And it's been a great relationship. She lived out here. Her kids are out here. Wonderful family. And so I made the move out here from a personal standpoint, but also from a business standpoint. Many of you know that I do have a nonprofit um, as a combat veteran who is passionate about um, helping other veterans who've been struggling with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder that have been combat related. Um, There's a groundbreaking new Uh, therapy that has been really kind of like magic. It really does erase the effects or or erase the triggers for the effects of combat-related PTSD. And so we do this through warrior retreats. It really is kind of like a a one-and-done sort of thing. Now, upkeep really helps this type of therapy, but veterans who are hit the most come out to our warrior retreats. And these are guys who have tried, and women, who have tried everything else. Like they're on permanent disability from from the military, they have um, uh, their uh, you know, drugs, anti-anxiety medication, 
uh, really sleepless nights. It's it's. I could go into it over and over and over again. You can check out some of our other podcasts where I've talked about this, but we really have come across a therapy now that in as little as one, two hour session can really erase those triggers that make all these side effects a part of their everyday life. We really are changing lives out there. Uh, my nonprofit is Operation Save Our Soldiers. You can find over at operationsaveoursoldiers.org and you can find out a little bit more about it there and you can donate. We, um, soldiers do not pay anything to come to the retreat and get the help that they need. And 100% of your donations go to directly to sponsoring the soldiers for the retreat. There's no admin costs or anything built in there. I take care of all that out of my own pocket so that all of your donations can actually go where they're most needed. And we run those retreats out here in Central Florida on the Gulf Coast. And so I moved out to be closer to where we're running the retreats, be able to be more actively involved with it. And it just really made sense. Throw in a schmoopy girlfriend and I am in heaven. Except that when it comes to me being a survivalist and prepping, it's probably the worst place I could actually be, right? Like, it's a state, Florida is a state that just kind of juts down there in the south, right out in the ocean. If I And it gets whacked by hurricanes, and it is a long trip up that state. There's really only a couple, couple ways to get out of the state if you're going to evacuate, which means long lines of hurricane evacuation, evacuees, all the things I tell you to try and avoid, right? So it's the worst place it could possibly come to from a standpoint of personal experience when it comes to prepping. So I've had to make some adjustments. And this past week, Hurricane Etta or Tropical Storm Etta started coming through. It hit, the, uh, hit Central America. Then it started coming up our way. And so I really got to see firsthand some of the things that really happened from inside of prepping for hurricanes. I never really had to deal with this all that much when it, when, uh, for hurricanes specifically, um, except when I was living in Central America, but we really didn't pay any attention to it down then. But storms weren't as bad then also. Storms have gotten a lot worse. So um, this was my first experience kind of going through it, and I learned some things along the way. And that's really what warriorlife.com is about it's about me sharing more of my experience which has always been what I've where I've I've come from like there's always things for us to learn and your plan is should always be evolving you should always be learning from your mistakes learning from other people and adjusting your plan as it goes along so that you are better and better prepared to protect you and your family all right well I do the same thing and so I knew that there were some things I was going to have to learn as a Floridian as a new Floridian when it comes to these things, because I always tease my girlfriend that, hey, I, I'm telling you, as soon as there's like a dark cloud in the sky, like we're in the car, like we are evacuating, we're getting the hell out of there before it turns into a giant parking lot. And obviously that is not practical. And I found out quite a bit from the prepping standpoint of being inside of this hurricane, which we were not sure where it was going to go. And I thought I'd share some of these things that, as well as my own observations from things that I do know, that I thought really, really kind of caught my, caught my eye this time, All right? So I've got seven things here for you that I want to share. And, and number one is that weather has gotten weirder and much more unpredictable. So you cannot use the past as much to plan for your future, okay? Now, again, I always used to tease that as the first sign of a black cloud, but I found you can't really do that. Like you, it, it, this storm, her, uh, Storm Etta, that was coming up, whack Central America, then started up coming toward Florida. But 
when you look at the, and, and I have like the, the hurricane watch on my phone, it, t- it gives me an update. Even when it was, hadn't even hit Central America yet, I was still getting updates about any hurricane that's happening out there so that I can see what's, I can see and plan ahead and just kind of be always on notice. So I always get these notifications on my phone when these are actually happening. Well, then we have what we call the spaghetti radar, right? So these are all the different systems out there that are tracking and based upon their data where they think the path of the storm is going to go. It is called spaghetti for a reason. It is all over the place. You have lines going in all sorts of directions. And this one went from Central America and shot up toward Florida, but then it kind of curved around and then it went south west again and it looked like it wasn't gonna do anything but then it made this not even a u-turn it was like a v-turn back toward the coast so there were these constant periods of oh looks like it's not gonna hit us oh looks like it is gonna hit us the maps were all over the place all right so it is really hard to kind of plan for those things in when it comes to an evacuation standpoint if you don't understand more of the nature of the storms that you're doing so this fits into number one in Storms are going to be unpredictable. Disasters are unpredictable. So you really need to change your evaluation so that you are more, um, you're more ready for the unpredictable. Now, what I mean by that is when it comes to these storms here and, and it comes to evacuation is that you have to understand outside of the disaster itself. So in this instance, we weren't as worried about this becoming, it might, have, it might have hit the coast at a hurricane, it was at a tropical storm, it was going to possibly hit as a hurricane level one, which can do some pretty good damage. It can, when you think about what the actual threats are. So for example, um, and, and actually I'll talk about this in the, in the next, in the next uh, tip that I have here of the, of, the, of the seven, but thankfully we were at the end of the hurricane season. So the waters in the Gulf were colder than normal. If this had hit us, if this had happened in any time in the summertime, if it didn't hit in July, August, September, with warmer waters out there, this could have easily become a hurricane level two, hurricane level three, and it really could have done some serious damage, some deadly damage out there. All right. So you need to understand the nature of the threats that you have. We call this the evaluate or uh, the threat matrix that you have. It looks at what are the the particular threats of your area. Now, when I lived in Central Texas. Hurricanes just meant a lot of rain. It could mean flash flooding, and so we prepare for flooding. We didn't have to worry about the hurricane-level winds that were going to potentially take the roof off of your house or the roof off of your neighbor's house and send it over into your bathroom. So you've really got to make sure that you understand that everything has gotten worse. Storms have gotten weirder, they've gotten more unpredictable, and you have to look outside of the event itself and start to look at what causes these things to get to get worse and understand the nature of the threats that you have. You have to run your own threat matrix, which brings me to number two, uh, tip number two here, which, which is to evaluate your plan A. So the best case scenario is you're gonna be able to stay in your home for any sort of a threat that you have, and you're gonna be able to play it safe there. That's why you stock up for having food, having water, having power, having things that you can rely on should those things go out. So if you are in a flood zone, do you even know if you're in a flood zone? Okay, um, the FEMA maps should be able to tell you whether you're in a flood zone. Your, um, your insurance carrier for your home, if you don't, if you don't own a home, um, do you have renter's insurance? Do, will they know if you have a flood zone? The owner of, your, of the place that you rent, 
they'll know if they're in a flood zone. Their insurance company will. So you need to make sure that you understand, are you in a flood zone? What is the threat that you really have to face here? Um, as I was saying before, winds are really the big killer around here. And when you look at the la uh, some of the, the last storms that we've had, what actually killed people were trees falling down into the house. So I had to really look at the house that I, I just purchased a house actually, had to really look at it like how far away were the trees? Were there problems with the trees? I have one tree, for example, that has this, I had, I had an arborist come out and look at all the trees. And he said, this one tree has this limb that although the, trim, the tree looks sturdy, this one giant uh, part of the limb isn't actually like part of the core structure of the tree. So in a high level wind, that could really come down. Now, fortunately, it wouldn't be necessarily like, it wouldn't come down on top of my house. But those are the kinds of things that you might not know. I've told stories before about people that were looking to evacuate, got in their cars, and the tree from next door fell on top of their car and killed them. If you live in a trailer park, these things are basically become matchsticks in a high wind, right? Well, what do you live near a trailer park? Because all of those, I mean, I've seen trailers just tumble, like tumbleweeds, due to wind. The roofs can fly off of, off of that, and then flying debris becomes a real threat to you. So you need to make sure that you do evaluate your plan A and understand that this 50% rule. This kind of goes with tip number one here. But as I always say, you need to take the worst threat that your area has ever seen and then add another 50% to it. Now, I share this in, my, in our workshop where we do about military survival secrets because of the flood that came through my Texas town and dragged 75 homes into the, into the water and killed a dozen people because nobody ever thought the water would get that high. And it came through in the middle of the night where nobody was suspecting it. You always have to plan for 50% worse than the, la than the worst disaster that your area has seen. The rules have changed, folks. Um, I said this in the, in the COVID webinar that I did, uh, the workshop that I did when COVID first started hitting, and they were predicting between 100 and 200,000 deaths. And I said, you need to apply this rule to everything. If they're predicting a max of 200,000 deaths, you need to add another 50% on top of that, which is 300,000 deaths. Where we are right now, I just looked at the uh, CDC's numbers, and it's showing 245,000 deaths. And the COVID virus in the United States has, is at its worst that it's ever been. Now, whether you believe those numbers or not, whether you're saying that some of them are false numbers, it doesn't matter. The principle still applies. And we're at the worst part of COVID. This has been botched from the very beginning. And we are, we are in worse shape than, than any time in the entire pandemic. And things don't look very good from here. We're starting to get, you know, don't, don't get me on the pandemic thing, okay? Sorry. All right. I'm getting myself on the pandemic thing. Nonetheless, you need to add 50% to the worst disaster results from your area's history. Um, I'm sorry, you need to take your worst disaster results and add 50% to it, all right? Okay, tip number three is if you're, if for your, uh, you, have your, you evaluate your plan A, your home, but you need to have a plan B, and it should not be a shelter. So tip number three is plan B should not be a shelter. Now, I learned this here um, uh, coming into, because I, I moved to Florida during the pandemic, and so I really started to look at what were the rules that they were starting to put in place for any hurricanes. We were, com we were coming into hurricane season, and so I started asking around, like, what is the local hurricane relief center? What is the local shelter? Well, with the pandemic, it wasn't that big of a concern before, but 
asking people what we're going to have, what was going to happen if the pandemic did get higher. What if it did get worse? The sh- a lot of the shelters did not even open up that were n- nearby because it, we weren't sure if it, how much how bad of a hurricane it was going to be. But mostly it was because of pandemic concerns. They weren't going to like like normal house a bunch of people inside of a shelter because the storm might come and go. But now you've got a bunch of people that are infected with COVID and the pandemic gets worse and worse. Okay, so in this case, using Plan B or a shelter as Plan B is not going to work for you. So that means tip number four here is that you have to have an alternate plan B. All right. So for a lot of people, a shelter could be a temporary location for a plan B uh, place for you and your family to go to become safe. If it's something that's going to come and go. All right. Obviously, long term shelters are not a great place to be. Reference Hurricane Katrina. Right. Okay. But tip number four here of having an alternate plan B, you need to make sure that you understand that. One thing, pandemics are here to stay. And it gave us a hard lesson that if that's not going to be a a place for you to go, you need to have another place. So um, for me, um, I chose a business place. So I I actually am leasing a place for my business office. And I, I chose a fortress because I knew from now from experience that evacuation may not be long term evacuation. Like in other words, if um, if it looks like again, it might be a might be a hurricane one. It might be a hurricane two. I've got to figure out what my triggers are before I get out. But my home is is most likely not going to be that place. I needed some place that was going to be safer than my home. So I chose a headquarters that's built like a fortress. The thing is solid um, cement. It has cement all the way around it. Um, good roof on it. I'm in a high ground, so I don't have to worry uh, really about flooding or anything like that. So. I chose a place that I can go to and shelter in place in my own little bunker here, okay? Um, also, I found out some, some really good ways to be able to house the rest of my family here so that they can come and they have a shelter to come to as well because I don't want them staying at home. So we have a place to congregate now and my headquarters sleeps 17 people comfortably. I'll tell you how I did that on the cheap here in just a few minutes, all right? Uh, but tip number five, if I have to get from plan A to plan B, I need to evaluate transportation. Now in Texas, I didn't have to worry about this much about evacuation as much because I was in a very rural area. I was very self-sufficient. I was mostly off the grid. I was able to be able to handle myself out there without fear of other people coming by and looting or anything like that. In Florida, I have a lot different concerns and evacuation from point A to point B is much more of a concern for me. It's not that far from where I'm at, but as far as getting out of here after a hurricane or after there's debris out there, my little Mini Cooper ain't going to cut it. Yes, I said Mini Cooper, right? And for those of you, um, I do have a video that I will be releasing here in the future of how you can turn any vehicle into a bug out vehicle, including, and I use the Mini Cooper as an example of it. But where I was in Texas, I didn't really have to worry about long haul evacuation. So my Mini Cooper, my, my bigger concerns were more of urban escape and evasion type of things down in the city. So the Mini Cooper was perfect for that. It had all the features that I needed for that type of thing. It was built for what I needed it for. Out here, it's not going to cut it when it comes to trying to, get, trying to get around debris and things. What I did learn here, moving here, is that there is like a Jeep cult here. It's almost like they issue you a Jeep. I wish they issued you a Jeep once you get over the border because I found out that they're super expensive. You can't buy them like they're gone in a snap. They're just, it is like a Jeep culture out here. 
Um, so on the on the bad side, it's uh, my Mini Cooper ain't going to cut it. I'm going to need something that is going to be much more heavy duty that I can get around debris because I know I'm going to be facing more debris problems out here. Now, the good part of that is that with this Jeep Colt that's out there, it is going to make it easier for me to coordinate a local team now because I've, my old team is not where, I mean, I had, I had a survival team back in Texas, but I need to recruit a new team now in Florida. And having a Jeep culture here, there are people that like do Jeep meetings on the beach and everything. So um, this is going to make it easier for me to build out a survival team that if we do need to evacuate, we, need, we do need to go up that, the, the median of the highway in force in a, a convoy of Jeeps, we are not going to get stopped if we show that kind of unity there. So it's, much, it's not going to be me with one Jeep going up the median if I can help it. So it's going to give me the ability to kind of coordinate my survival team and the transportation a little better. It's something that I can use as a focal point to be able to recruit my, my team from, all right? Because evacuation is much more of a concern for me, all right? Okay, um, now a couple of things that I learned here from other people. So my girlfriend, who has been living here now for 20 years or so, um, put, she, I learned from her to put important documents into the dishwasher. Hadn't heard that before. That makes total sense. Like the dishwasher is waterproof, right? So you see these, these, uh, your place is getting uh, flooded, you know, there's floods happen and, but the, the dishwasher is waterproof. So put your important papers into the dishwasher. Really good idea. The other thing I learned when it came to prepping from uh, somebody else was actually from my son. He is helping me in the headquarters put up these steel shelves that I got from Costco, really heavy-duty shelves. Um, and he said, you know, these work great as bunk beds for everybody that's out there. I thought I was going to have to buy cots for everyone, but he was absolutely right. All I had to do was take the bins off of the, off of the steel shelves, and now I have four, literally four bunk beds for each one of these shelves. That took care of things right there. I have three of those. That's 12 shelves right there. That's 12 bunk beds. I'm sorry. Um, three, three sets of shelves, four each. That's 12 sets of bunk beds right there, okay? Really super simple. Um, okay, tip number seven, I really learned the day of the storm when it was coming here. And it was, it doesn't matter how experienced an area is, most people are not going to be prepared. Now, fortunately, I have all of my supplies. I brought them all from my place in Texas. So I'm good to go here. I've got all the food I need. I have all the water filtering products that I need. We have filter that, uh, I'm sorry, water that's stocked up. We have, I have medical gear. I have everything that I need gear-wise. And I came to an area that is very experienced when it comes to hurricanes. But I went by the local Costco. Um, I went by the gas station. Everybody was out of gas very early in the day. Um, I did notice that there, the, the gas stations that were open, people were there. There was a line. And what was happening was people were filling up several gas cans in the back of their pickup truck for their generators. So they didn't have any gas for the generators. They're filling them up. And I've told, told people before that when that happens, people in the line are going to get, start getting upset because they've already tried three or four different gas stations before that. They look out there. There was no, there was no gas at those stations. They, fi they finally come across one that does have it. And there the person is up in front there with five five-gallon jugs of gas filling them up while everybody else in line is like, what about us? 
that's where fist fights happen. That's where fighting happens. You do not want to be in that line. Now, again, this is an experienced area. Most people are not prepared. The local Costco was mobbed with people trying to get food. The local grocery stores were getting picked clean. This was just, we didn't even know if it was going to be a hurricane uh, level one yet. But people were still preparing like the storm's coming, but it was all done at the last minute. So you need to really take this into account yourself. Most people are not going to be prepared in, the, in your area. The biggest threat that we find, especially now that I'm in an area where it is much more populated, I'm not in a rural area that I was before, is other people. Other people can be more of a threat. And I find, especially these days, we are more polarized as people. So people are already stressed out because of the pandemic. So again, we're going back to that, evaluate the threat outside of just the event itself. So now we have a situation where we have people that are already stressed from the pandemic, already stressed due to political reasons. We have much more division. We have less unity. We have less people working together. It, it, is, a, it is a tinder, um, um, tinder box just waiting for a spark to be able, for something to be able to happen in the area. Okay, so you've got to really start to look at what are the threats outside of the event. We go back to that again, all right? It doesn't matter how experienced you are. Most people around you are not going to be prepared. Now, I always keep that in mind anyway, which is why I've got everything fully stocked and we're good to go. But you have to really look at your plan, all right? Look at your plan. Take these seven tips. Really think about what are you doing? What are the threats in your area? Do your, do your threat matrix. Evaluate your plan A. Um, know that your plan B might not be your plan B. So, number four, you have to have an alternate plan B. Number five, you have to evaluate your transportation based upon your surroundings and, and, and your ability to get from not just from point A to point B, but point A to your also your, to your alternate plan B. All right. And then also you want to make sure that, you know, learn from other people. I found from me putting in, putting important documents in the dishwasher, being able to use um, shelves as sleeping area for other family members comes in really handy. And then number seven was it doesn't matter how experienced an area is, your area, most people will not be prepared. Plan for them not being prepared. All right. That's it. Um, I'm going to be giving you some more details here in the next coming week or so about us moving over fully over to the warriorlife.com. You can go over there now. The, the, all the posts have been put over there. We've got the new podcast page up. We're going to start putting more and more videos up there as well as we build out, um, actually, in the headquarters. We've got the filming studio just about done, so we're going to be doing a lot more video work for you. We're going to need your tips, and we've got a lot more coming up of ways that you can share your experience as well. All right, It's all coming right up, but until our next Warrior Life podcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. You've been listening to the Warrior Life Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us spread the mission of self-reliance and self-protection when you rate us. And leave us a comment wherever you enjoy these podcasts. And don't forget to check out our posts and videos on our social media channels. You'll see a full directory when you visit our website at www.warriorlife.com. We'll see you next time. This has been the Warrior Life Podcast. Prepare. Train. Survive.